Oh my goodness, I am so sorry. It has taken me so long to record the last bit of Ramona. Have you been waiting for it? Oh, all right. Ramona. Ramona and all my friends out there. Sydney, I heard, is listening and made a really good breakfast for her mom. Um, the other day, I saw some bananas and yogurt going into it. Um, and I know Ramona in, in Seattle is listening every time. Here we go. Chapter 8. Ramona's Book Report. The Quimby family was full of worries. The parents were worried about managing without a car while a new transmission was installed, and even more worried about paying for it. Beezus was worried about a party she'd been invited to because boys had also been invited. She was afraid it would turn out to be a dancing party, and she still felt silly trying to dance. Besides, eighth-grade boys acted like a bunch of little kids at parties. Ramona, still feeling weak, moped around the house for another day worrying about her book report. If she made it interesting, Mrs. Welly would think she was showing off. If she did not make it interesting, her teacher would not like it. On top of everything, Beezus happened to look at her father's head as he bent over his books in the dining room table that evening. Daddy, you're getting thin on top, she cried out, shocked. Ramona rushed to look. Okay, so this means like that there's a little bit less hair on the top. Um, that's something that happens to dad sometimes. It's okay. Ramona rushed to look. Just a little thin, she said, because she did not want her father's feelings hurt. You are bald yet. Mrs. Quimby also examined the top of her husband's head. It is a little thin, she agreed and kissed the spot. Never mind, I found a gray hair last week. What is this, a conference about my hair? Asked Mr. Quimby, and he grabbed his wife around the waist. Don't worry, he told her. I'll still love you when you're old and gray. Thanks a lot, said Mrs. Quimby, not wanting to think of herself as old and gray. They both laughed. Mr. Quimby released his wife and gave her a playful slap on the bottom, <laughs> an act that amused and shocked his daughters. Ramona had two feelings about this conversation. She did not want her father's hair to grow thin or her mother's hair to grow gray. She wanted her parents to say exactly as they were forever and ever. But oh, how good it was to see them be so affectionate with one another. She knew her parents loved one another, but sometimes when they were tired and hurried, and when they had long, serious conversations after the girls had gone to bed, she wondered and worried because she knew children whose parents had stopped loving one another. Now she knew everything was all right. So I wonder if, um, if you've ever had those worries. I know that when I was little, I had those worries sometimes. And sometimes parents do stop loving each other and maybe decide to live in two different houses. And that's okay, too. That's... A grown-up decision and it's never the kids fault but sometimes it is hard for kids suddenly Ramona felt so happy that a book report did not seem so difficult after all if she could think of a way to make it interesting the book the left-behind cat which mrs. Whaley had sent home for Ramona to read for her report was divided into chapters but used babyish words the story was about a cat that was left behind when a family moved away and about its adventures with a dog another cat and some children before it finally found a home with a nice old couple who gave it a saucer of cream and named it Lefty because its left paw was white and because it had been left behind. 
Medium boring, thought Ramona. Good enough to pass the time on the bus, but not good enough to read during sustained silent reading. Besides, cream costs too much to give to a cat. The most the, most the old people would give a cat was half and half, she thought. Ramona required accuracy from books as well as from people. Daddy, how do you sell something? Ramona interrupted her father, who was studying, even though she knew she should not. However, her need for an answer was urgent. Mr. Quimby did not look up from his book. You ought to know. You see enough commercials on TV. Ramona considered his answer. She had always looked upon commercials as entertainment, but now she thought about some of her favorites. The cats that danced back and forth, the dog that pushed away Brand X dog food with his paw, the man who ate a pizza, got indigestion, and groaned that he couldn't believe he ate the whole thing. The six horses that pulled the Wells Fargo Bank stagecoach across deserts and over mountains. Do you mean I should do a book report like a TV commercial? Ramona asked. Why not? Mr. Quimby answered in an absent-minded way. I, I don't want my teacher to say I'm a nuisance, said... Oops, I'm losing my spot. I don't want my teacher to say I'm a nuisance, said Ramona, needing assurance from a grown-up. This time, Mr. Quimby lifted his eyes from his book. Look, he said, she told you to pretend you're selling the book, so sell it. What better way than a TV commercial? You aren't being a nuisance if you do what your teacher asks. He looked at Ramona a moment and said, Why do you worry she'd think you're a nuisance? Ramona stared at the carpet, wiggled her toes inside her shoes, and finally said, I squeaked my shoes the first day of school. That's not being much of a nuisance, said Mr. Quimby. And when I got egg in my hair, Mrs. Whaley said I was a nuisance, confessed Ramona. And then I threw up in school. But you didn't do those things on purpose, her father pointed out. Now run along, I have studying to do. Ramona thought this answer over and decided that since her parents agreed, they must be right. Well, Mrs. Whaley could just go jump in a lake, even though her teacher had written, without wasting words, that she missed her. Ramona was going to give her book report any way she wanted. So there, Mrs. Whaley. Ramona went to her room and looked at her table, which the family called Ramona's Studio, because it was a clutter of crayons, different kinds of paper, scotch tape, bits of yarn, and odds and ends that Ramona used for amusing herself. Then Ramona thought a moment, and suddenly, filled with inspiration, she went to work. She knew exactly what she wanted to do and set about doing it. She worked with papers, crayons, scotch tape, and rubber bands. She worked so hard and with such pleasure that her cheeks grew pink. Nothing in the whole world felt as good as being able to make something from a sudden idea. Finally, with a big sigh of relief, Ramona leaned back in her chair to admire her work. Three cat masks with holes for eyes and mouths. Masks that would be worn by hooking rubber bands over her ears. But Ramona did not stop there. With pencil and paper, she began to write out what she would say. She was so full of ideas that she printed rather than wasting time in cursive writing. Next, she phoned Sarah and Janet, keeping her voice low and trying not to giggle so she wouldn't disturb her father any more than necessary. Both her friends giggled and agreed to take part in the book report. Ramona spent the rest of the evening memorizing... Ooh, excuse me. <coughs> memorizing what she was going to say. The next morning on the bus and at school, no one even, no one even mentioned Ramona's throwing up. She had braced herself for some remark from Yard 8, but all he said was, Hi, Superfoot. 
When school started, Ramona slipped cat mask to Sarah and Janet, handed her written excuse for her absence to Mrs. Whaley, and waited, fanning away escaped fruit flies, for book reports to begin. After arithmetic, that's math, Mrs. Whaley called on several people to come to the front of the room to pretend they were selling books to the class. Most of the reports began, This is a book about... And many, as Beezus had predicted, ended with, If you want to find out what happens next, read the book. Then Mrs. Whaley said, We have time for one more report before lunch. Who wants to go next? Ramona waved her hand and Mrs. Whaley nodded. Ramona beckoned to Sarah and Janet, who giggled in an embarrassed way, but joined Ramona, standing behind her and off to one side. All three girls slipped on their cat masks and giggled again. Ramona took a deep breath as Sarah and Janet began to count, to chant, Meow, 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 meow. Let's hear you do a good meow. Ready? Go. Oh, that was a good meow and danced back and forth like the cats they had seen in the cat food commercial on television. Left Behind Cat gives... Excuse me. I'm still morning here, so I'm still waking up. Left Behind Cat gives kids something to smile about, said Ramona in a loud, clear voice, while her chorus meowed softly behind her. She wasn't sure what she, that what she said was exactly true, but neither were the commercials that showed cats eating dry cat food without making any noise. Kids who have tried Left Behind Cat are all smile, smile, smiles. Left Behind Cat is the book kids ask for by name. Kids can read it every day and thrive on it. The happiest kids read Left Behind Cat. Left Behind Cat contains cats, dogs, people. Here, cat, here Ramona caught sight of Yardape leaning back in a seat, grinning in the way that always flustered her. She could not help interrupting herself with a giggle, and after suppressing it, she tried not to look at Yardape and to take up where she had left off. Cats, dogs, people. The giggle came back, and Ramona was lost. She could not remember what came next. Cats, dogs, people, she repeated, trying to start and failing. Mrs. Whaley and the class waited. Yardape grinned. Ramona's loyal chorus meowed and danced. This performance could not go on all morning. Ramona had to say something, anything, to the waiting, the meowing, her book report. She tried desperately to recall a cat food commercial, any cat food commercial, and could not. All she could remember was the man on television who ate the pizza, so she blurted out the only sentence she could think of. I can't believe I read the whole thing. Mrs. Whaley's laugh rang out above the laughter of the class. Ramona felt her face turn red behind her mask, and her ears, visible to the class, turned red as well. Thank you, Ramona, said Mrs. Whaley. That was most entertaining. Class, you are excused for lunch. Ramona felt brave behind her cat mask. Mrs. Whaley, she said as the class pushed back chairs and gathered up lunch boxes. That wasn't the way my report was supposed to end. Did you like the book? asked Mrs. Whaley. Not really, confessed Ramona. Then I think it was a good way to end your report. Asking the class to sell books they don't really like isn't fair. Now that I stopped to think about it, I was only trying to make book reports a little livelier. Encouraged by this confession and still safe behind her mask, Ramona had the boldness to speak up. Mrs. Whaley, she said with her heart pounding, you told Mrs. Larson that I am a nuisance and I don't think I am. Mrs. Whaley looked astonished. When did I say that? The day I got egg in my hair, said Ramona, you called me a show-off and said I was a nuisance. Mrs. Whaley frowned, thinking, why Ramona? I can recall saying something about my little show-off, and I meant it affectionately, and I'm sure I never called you a nuisance. Yes, you did, insisted Ramona. You said I was a show-off, and then you said, what a nuisance. 
Ramona could never forget those exact words. Mrs. Whaley, who had looked worried, smiled in relief. Oh, Ramona, you misunderstood. I meant that trying to wash egg out of your hair was a nuisance for Mrs. Larson. I didn't mean that you personally were a nuisance. Ramona felt a little better, enough to come out from her mask, from under her mask and to say, I wasn't showing off. I was just trying to crack an egg on my head like everyone else. Mrs. Whaley's smile was mischievous. Tell me, Ramona, she said, don't you ever try to show off? Ramona was embarrassed. Well, maybe sometimes a little, she admitted. Then she added positively, but I wasn't showing off that day. How could I be showing off when I was doing what everyone else was doing? You've convinced me, said Mrs. Whaley with a big smile. Now run along and eat your lunch. Ramona snatched up her lunchbox and went jumping down the stairs to the cafeteria. She laughed to herself because she knew exactly what all the kids from her class would say when they finished their lunches. She knew because she planned to say it herself. I can't believe I ate the whole thing. Okay, if you want something fun to do, maybe you could think about how to sell a book that you've read and make a commercial. Wouldn't that be cool? Or if you're not into that idea, you could just make some cool masks and take a picture in your mask and send it to me. That would be really fun. Okay, chapter nine, rainy Sunday. Whew, another big yawn from Jess. I wonder if my yawning is making you yawn. Oh, let's have a yawn together. Ready? Hmm. Okay. Okay, back to the book. Chapter 9, Rainy Sunday. Rainy Sunday afternoons in November were always dismal, but Ramona felt this Sunday was the most dismal of all. She pressed her nose against the living room window, watching the ceaseless rain pelting down as bare black branches crawl, clawed at the electric wires in front of the house. Even lunch, leftovers Mrs. Quimby had wanted to clear out of the refrigerator, had been dreary. With her parents, who seemed tired or discouraged or both, having little to say, and Beezus mysteriously moody. Ramona longed for sunshine, sidewalks dry enough for roller skating, a smiling, happy family. Ramona, you haven't cleaned up your room this weekend, said Mrs. Quimby, who was sitting on the couch sorting through a stack of bills. And don't press your nose against the window, it leaves a smudge. Ramona felt as if everything she did was wrong. The whole family seemed cross today, even Pinky Picky, who meowed at the front door. With a sigh, Mrs. Quimby got up to let him out. Beezus, carrying a towel and shampoo, stalked through the living room into the kitchen, where she began to wash her hair at the sink. Huh. I don't know why she doesn't just take a shower. I wonder why she's doing that. Hmm. Mr. Quimby, studying at the dining room table as usual, made his pencil scratch angrily across a pad of paper. The television set sat blank and mute, and in the fireplace a log sullenly refused to burn. Mrs. Quimby sat down. Oh, it's other yawn, my goodness. Sat down and then got up again as Picky Picky, indignant at the wet world outdoors, yowled to come in. Ramona, clean up your room, she ordered as she let the cat and a gust of cold air into the house. Beezus hasn't cleaned up her room. Ramona could not resist pointing the submission out to her mother. I'm not talking about Beezus, said Mrs. Quimby. I'm talking about you. Still, Ramona did not move from the window. Cleaning up her room seemed such a boring thing to do. No fun at all on a rainy afternoon. She thought vaguely of all the exciting things she would like to do. Learn to twirl a lariat. I don't even know what that is. Play a musical saw. Flip around and over bars in a gymnastics competition while crowds cheered. Ramona, 
clean up your room. Mrs. Quimby raised her voice. Well, you don't have to yell at me. Ramona's feelings were hurt by the tone of her mother's voice. The log in the fireplace settled, sending a puff of smoke into the living room. Then do it, snapped Mr. Mrs. Quimby. Your room is a disaster area. Mr. Quimby threw down his pencil. Young lady, you do what your mother says, and you do it now. She shouldn't have to tell you three times. Well, all right, but you don't have to be so cross, said Ramona. To herself, she thought, nag, nag, nag. <laughs> Sulkily, Ramona took her hurt feelings off to her room, where she pulled a week's collection of dirty socks from under her bed. On her way to the bathroom hamper, she looked down the hall and saw her sister standing in the living room, rubbing her hair with a towel. Mother, I think you're mean, said Beezus from under the towel. Ramona stopped to listen. I don't care how mean you think I am, answered Mrs. Quimby. You are not going to go, and that is that. But all the other girls are going, protested Beezus. I don't care if they are, said Mrs. Quimby. You are not. Ramona heard the sound of a pencil being slammed on the table and her father saying, Your mother is right. Now would you kindly give me a little peace and quiet so I can get on with my work? Beezus flounced past Ramona into her room and slammed the door. Sobs were heard, loud, angry sobs. <laughs> Where can't she go, Ramona wondered, as she dumped her socks into the hamper. Then, because she had been so good about picking up her room, Ramona returned to the living room where Picky Picky, as cross and bored as the rest of the family, was once again meowing at the front door. <sighs> Where can't Beezus go, she asked. Mrs. Quimby opened the front door, and when Picky Picky hesitated, vexed by the cold wind that swept into the room, assisted him out with her toe. She can't sleep over at Mary Jane's house with a bunch of girls from her class. A year ago, Ramona would have agreed with her mother so that her mother would love her more than Beezus, but this year she knew that she too might want to spend the night at someone's house someday. Why can't Beezus sleep at Mary Jane's, she asked, because she comes home exhausted and grouchy. Mrs. Quimby stood by the door waiting. Picky Picky's yowl was twisted by the wind. Yowl! And when she opened the door, another cold gust swept through the house. With the price of fuel oil being what it is, we can't afford to let the cat out remarked Mr. Quimby. Would you like to take the responsibility if I don't let him out? asked Mrs. Quimby before she continued with her answer to Ramona. There are four people in the family and she has no right to make the whole, dis whole day disagreeable for the rest of us because she has been up half the night giggling with a bunch of silly girls. Besides, a growing girl needs her rest. Ramona silently agreed with her mother about Beezus's coming home cross after such a party. At the same time, she wanted to make things easier for herself when she was in junior high school. Maybe this time they would go to sleep earlier, she suggested. Fat chance, said Mrs. Quimby, who rarely spoke so rudely. And furthermore, Ramona, Mrs. Kemp did not come right out and say so, but she did drop a hint that you are not playing as nicely with Willa Jean as you might. Ramona heaved a sigh. <gasps> Let's hear your sigh. Mm, good one. That seemed to come from the soles of her feet. In the bedroom, Beezus, who had run out of real sobs, was working hard to force out fake sobs to show her parents how mean they were to her. <laughs> Mrs. Quimby ignored the sighs and the sobs and continued. Ramona, you know that getting along at the Kemp's is your job in this family. I've told you that before. How could Ramona explain to her mother that Willa Jean had finally caught on that sustained silent reading was just plain reading a book? 
For a while, Willa Jean wanted Ramona to read aloud a few boring books that Kemp's owned, the sort of books people who did not know anything about children so often gave them. Willa Jean listened to them several times, grew bored, and now insisted on playing beauty shop. Ramona did not want her fingernails painted by Willa Jean, and she knew she would be blamed if Willa Jean spilled nail polish. Instead of Mrs. Kemp's taking care of Ramona, Ramona was taking care of Willa Jean. Ramona looked at the carpet, sighed again, and said, I try. She felt sorry for herself, misunderstood and unappreciated. Nobody in the whole world understood how hard it was to go to the Kemp's house after school when she did not have a bicycle. Mrs. Quimby relented. I know it isn't easy, she said with a half smile, but don't give up. She gathered up the bills. Oh my goodness, I have a yawn face. Whew. If you want to draw a picture of me yawning and send it to me, that would be funny too. I know it isn't easy, but don't give up. She gathered up the bills and checkbook and went into the kitchen where she began to write checks at the kitchen table. Ramona wandered into the dining room to seek comfort from her father. She laid her cheek against the sleeve of his plaid shirt and asked, Daddy, what are you studying? Once again, Mr. Quimby threw down his pencil. I'm studying the cognitive processes of children, he answered. <laughs> Ramona raised her head to look at him. What does that mean, she asked. How kids think, her father told her. Ramona did not like the sound of this subject at all. Why are you studying that, she demanded. Some things should be private, and how children thought was one of them. She did not like the idea of grown-ups snooping around in thick books trying to find out. That is exactly what I have been asking myself. Mr. Quimby was serious. Why am I studying this stuff when we have bills to pay? Well, I don't think you should, said Ramona. It's none of your business how kids think. Then she quickly added, because she did not want her father to drop out of school and be a checker again. There are lots of other things you could study, like fruit flies. Mr. Quimby smiled at Ramona and rumpled her hair. I doubt if anyone could figure out how you think, he asked, he said, which made Ramona feel better, as if her secret thoughts were still safe. Mr. Quimby sat gnawing his pencil and staring out the window at the rain. Beezus, who had run out of fake sobs, emerged from her room, red-eyed and damp-haired, to stalk around the house, not speaking to anyone. Ramona flopped down on the couch. She hated rainy Sundays, especially this one, and longed for Monday, when she could escape to school. The Quimby's house seemed to have grown smaller during the day until it was no longer big enough to hold her family and all its problems. She tried not to think of the half-overheard conversations of her parents after the girls had gone to bed. Grown-up talk that Ramona understood just enough to know her parents were concerned about the future. Ramona had deep secret worries of her own. She worried that her father might accidentally be locked in the frozen food warehouse where it was so cold it sometimes snowed indoors. What if he was filling a big order... And the men who were lucky enough to get small orders to fill left work ahead of him and forgot and locked the warehouse and he couldn't get out and froze to death. Well, of course that wouldn't happen. But it might, insisted a tiny voice in the back of her head. Don't be silly, she told the little voice. Yes, but, began the little voice. And despite the worry that would not go away, Ramona wanted her father to go on working so he could stay in school and someday get a job he liked. While Ramona worried, the house, whoo, this is the yawniest chapter I've ever read you. <clears throat> While Ramona worried, the house was silent except for the sound of rain and the scratch of her father's pencil. The smoking log settled in the fireplace, sending up a few feeble sparks. The day grew darker. Ramona was beginning to feel hungry, but there was no comfortable bustle of cooking in the kitchen. 
Suddenly, Mr. Quimby slammed shut his book and threw down his pencil so hard it bounced onto the floor. Ramona sat up. Now what was wrong? Come on, everybody, said her father. Get cleaned up. Let's stop this grumbling around. We are going out for dinner, and we are going to smile and be pleasant if it kills us. That's an order. The girls stared at their father and then at one another. <clears throat> what was going on? They had not gone out to dinner for months, so how could they afford to go now? To the Whopper Burger, asked Ramona. Sure, said Mr. Quimby, who appeared cheerful for the first time that day. Why not? Sky's the limit. Mrs. Quimby came into the living room with a handful of stamped envelopes. But Bob, she began. Now don't worry, her husband said. We'll manage. During Thanksgiving, I'll be putting in more hours at the warehouse and getting more overtime. There's no reason why we can't have a treat once in a while. And the Whopper Burger isn't exactly your four-star gourmet restaurant. Ramona was afraid her mother might give a lecture on the evils of junk food, but she did not. Gloom and anger were forgotten. Clothes were changed, hair combed, picky-picky was shut in the basement, and the family was on its way in the old car with the new transmission that never balked at backing down the driveway. Off the Quimby sped to the nearest Whopper Burger, where they discovered other families must have wanted to get out of the house on a rainy day for the restaurant was crowded and they had to wait for a table. There were enough chairs for the grown-ups and Beezus, but Ramona, who had the youngest legs, had to stand up. She amused herself by punching the buttons on the cigarette machine. <laughs> cigarette machine? Oh, they don't have those anymore. In time to the music, which was playing tie yellow ribbon around the old oak tree. She even danced a little to the music, and when the tune came... To an end, she turned around and found herself face to face with an old man with neatly trimmed gray hair and a mustache that turned up at the ends. He was dressed as if everything he wore wore a flowered shirt, striped tie, tweed coat, and plaid slacks had come from different stores or from a rummage sale, except that the crease in his trousers were sharp and his shoes were shined. The old man, whose back was very straight, saluted Ramona as if she were a soldier and said, Well, young lady, have you been good to your mother? Ramona was stunned. She felt her face turn red to the tips of her ears. She did not know how to answer such a question. Had she been good to her mother? Well, not always. But why was this stranger asking? It was none of his business. He had no right to ask such a question. Ramona looked to her parents for help and discovered they were waiting with amusement for her answer. So were the rest of the people who were waiting for tables. Ramona scowled at the man. She did not have to answer him if she did not want to. The hostess saved Ramona by calling out, Quimby, party of four, and leading the family to a plastic upholstered booth. Why didn't you answer the man? Beezus was as amused as everyone else. I'm not supposed to talk to strangers, was Ramona's dignified answer. But mom and daddy are with us, Beezus pointed out rather meanly. Ramona thought, remember, said Mr. Quimby, as he opened his menu, we are all going to smile and enjoy ourselves if it kills us. As Ramona picked up her menu, she was still seething inside. Maybe she hadn't always been good to her mother, but that man had no right to pry. When she discovered he was seated in a single booth across the aisle, she gave him an indignant look, which he answered with a merry wink. So he had been teasing. Well, Ramona didn't like it. When Ramona opened her menu, she made an exciting discovery. She no longer had to depend on colored pictures of hamburgers, french fries, chili, and steak to help her make up her mind. She could now read what was offered. She studied carefully, and when she came to the bottom of the menu, she read the dreaded words, Child's Plate for Children Under Twelve. Then came the list of choices, fish sticks, chicken drumsticks, hot dogs. 
none of them to Ramona food for a treat. They were food for a school cafeteria. Daddy, Ramona whispered, do I have to have a child's plate? Not if you don't want to. Her father's smile was understanding. Ramona ordered the smallest adult item on the menu. Whopper Burger was noted for fast service, and in a few minutes, the waitress set down the Quimby's dinner. A hamburger and french fries for Ramona, a cheeseburger and french fries for Beezus, and, and, and her mother, and hamburgers with chili for her father. Ramona bit into her hamburger. Bliss. <laughs> Warm, soft, juicy, tart with relish. Juice dribbled down her chin. She noticed her mother start to say something and change her mind. Ramona caught the dribble with her paper napkin before it reached her collar. The french fries, crisp on the outside, mealy on the inside, tasted better than anything Ramona had ever eaten. The family ate in companionable silence for a few moments until the edge was taken off their hunger. A little change once in a while does make a difference, says Mrs. Quimby. It does us all good. Especially after the way Ramona stopped herself from finishing with, after the way Beezus acted this afternoon. Instead, she sat up straight and smiled. Well, I wasn't the only one who... Beezus also stopped in mid-sentence and smiled. The parents looked stern, but they managed to smile. Suddenly, everyone relaxed and laughed. The old man, Ramona noticed, was eating a steak. She wished her father could afford a steak. As much as she enjoyed her hamburger, Ramona was unable to finish. It was too much. She was happy when her mother did not say, Someone I, someone's eyes are bigger than her stomach. Her father, without commenting on the unfinished hamburger, included her in the orders of apple pie with hot cinnamon sauce and ice cream. Ramona ate what she could, and after watching the ice cream melt into the cinnamon sauce, she glanced over at the old man, who was having a serious discussion with the waitress. She seemed surprised and upset about something. The Muzak, conversation of other customers, and rattle of dishes made eavesdropping impossible. Okay, so Muzak is um, a funny word to say music, but it's like the kind of music that plays in the background sometimes, like 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 some instruments <laughs> but it's not like a song anyone recognizes okay the waitress left ramona saw her speak to the manager who listened and then nodded for a moment ramona thought the man might not have enough money to pay for the steak he had eaten apparently he did however for after listening to what the waitress had to say he left a tip under the edge of his plate and picked up his check to ramona's embarrassment he stood up winked and saluted her again. Then he left. Ramona did not know what to make of him. She turned back to her family, whose smiles were now genuine rather than determined. The sight of them gave her courage to ask the question that had been nibbling at the back of her mind. Daddy, you aren't going to be a college dropout, are you? <laughs> Mr. Quimby followed, finished a mouthful of pie before he answered, Nope. Ramona wanted to make sure. And you won't ever be a checker and come home cross again? Well, said her father, I can't promise I won't come home cross, but if I do, it won't be from standing at the cash register trying to remember 42 price changes in the produce section while a long line of customers all in a hurry wait to pay for their groceries. Ramona was reassured. When the waitress descended on the Quimby's to offer the grown-ups a second cup of coffee, Mr. Quimby said, check please. The waitress looked embarrassed. Well, uh, she hesitated. This has never happened before, but your meals have already been paid for. The Quimby's looked at her in astonishment. But who paid for them? demanded Mr. Quimby. 
A lonely gentleman who left a little while ago, answered the waitress. He must have been the man who sat across the aisle, said Mrs. Quimby. But why would he pay for our dinners? We never saw him before in our lives. The waitress smiled. Because he said you are such a nice family and because he misses his children and grandchildren. She dashed off with a, her pot of coffee, leaving the Quimby's in surprised, even shocked silence. A nice family? After the way they had behaved on a rainy Sunday? A mysterious stranger, just like in a book, said Beezus. I never thought I'd meet one. Poor lonely man, said Mrs. Quimby at last, and Mr. Quimby shoved a tip under his saucer. Still stunned into, stunned into silence, the family struggled into their into their coats and splashed across the parking lot to their car, which started promptly and backed obediently out of its parking space. As the windshield wipers began their rhythmic exercise, the family rode in silence, each thinking of the events of the day. You know, said Mr. Squimby thoughtfully as the car left the parking lot and headed down the street, I think he was right. We are a nice family. Not all the time, said Ramona, as usual, demanding accuracy. Nobody is nice all the time, answered her father. Or if they are, they are boring. Not even your parents are nice all the time, added Mrs. Quimby. Ramona secretly agreed, but she had not expected her parents to admit it. Deep down inside, she felt she herself was nice all the time, but sometimes on the outside, her niceness sort of, well, curdled. Then people did not understand how nice she really was. Maybe other people curdled, too. We have our ups and downs, said Mrs. Quimby, but we manage to get along and we stick together. We are nicer than some families, I know, said Beezus. Some families don't even eat dinner together. After a moment, she made a confession. I don't really like sleeping on someone's floor in a sleeping bag. I didn't think you did. Mrs. Quimby reached back and patted Beezus on the knee. That's one reason I said you couldn't go. You didn't want to go, but you didn't want to admit it. Ramona snuggled inside her car coat feeling cozy and closed in the car with the heater breathing warm air on her nice family. She was a member of a nice sticking together family and she was old enough to be depended on. So she could ignore, or at least try to ignore, a lot of things. Willa Jean, she would try reading her sustained silent reading books aloud because Willa Jean was old enough to understand most of them. That should work for a little while. Mrs. Whaley, some things were nice about her and some were not. Ramona could get along. That man paying for our dinner was sort of like a happy ending, remarked Beezus as the family, snug in their car, drove through the rain and the dark toward Clickitat Street. A happy ending for today, corrected Ramona. Tomorrow, they would begin all over again. The end. Ah, oh, Ramona Quimby, age eight. That's the end of the book. I wonder if you liked it. And if you um, drew any pictures of Ramona and her family, um, or if you want to tell me about how you are part of a dice family, even if you're not always nice to each other, because we can't be nice all the time. We do our best and we stick together. Okay, I'll be reading you a new book soon. It's called The Anybodies, and I think you're going to like it. All right. See you later. Bye.